0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you. Thank you for joining me, and I trust that these are a blessing to you and that you are also reading through God's Word this year. Today we are in the book of Romans, and we are in Romans chapter 12. We started Romans chapter 12 yesterday with a brief introductory portion to that lesson, and then we looked at verses 1 and 2. And I apologize, I know that the last episode was a little bit lengthier than what I generally try to do, so I do apologize for that. I do try to be aware of the time length on each of these, and so by God's grace, we will be able to cover what we want to cover today today without it being a very lengthy broadcast. But thank you to all of you who are participating with us and who are hearing the word of God. I pray that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you will come to know him right now. And that these messages can be a source of bringing you to Jesus and helping you learn how to follow him, how to come to him, and how to grow in him. And I pray that for all of you, these are blessings to you, to teach you, and to help you grow in Jesus Christ as a disciple of the Lord. May God bless you in that way. So today we are in Romans chapter 12, and I want to read the first five verses today, and that's where we're going to concentrate today is on verses one through five. Romans chapter 12. and individually members of one another. I want to cover these verses today and look at a few things here. This is very rich, so I do want to try to handle this and give you what I believe the Lord would have us to look at today. So we've talked about where Romans chapter 12 is in this whole treatise on the gospel, and we looked a little bit at the intro yesterday, understanding that this is In a sense, it's Paul's final section of this book, chapters 12 through 16, where he's going to get into a lot of the nuts and bolts of some practical things that he will be addressing here. And so we saw in verses 1 and 2 yesterday about a cocoon, so to speak, being of the renewing of the mind, being like that cocoon that is what? metamorphose us. That is what transforms us, our way of thinking. The Holy Spirit, when he comes in to a new believer's life and and heart and mind, he completely does a complete renovation. And we are changed. We are brand new. We have to cooperate with that. We, We do our part. He says, don't be conformed to the world don't pattern yourself after them don't look at their pattern and make yourself like them anymore their, their thoughts their ideologies their philosophies etc but rather you pattern yourself now after after Jesus Christ and be transformed be metamorphosed into that image and that is done by the renewing of the mind it's the renewing it's a total complete renovation that the Holy Spirit works with us to do in our mind. And so he goes on here and he begins to talk about many parts, many people individually, and yet one body. He begins to talk about the church and interactions within the church, interpersonal relationships within the church. Verses 1 and 2, you might say, were instructions, and directed to individual believers. But now he's beginning to talk about the church as one whole unit, as one whole body, and the functions within the church, and the interpersonal relationships within the church. So the first thing he tells us here is that each person has this charge and this same responsibility. He says, everyone who is among you. Now remember in chapter 11, we saw how the Jews that, were, that believed in Jesus Christ were a part of this original olive tree and remained in the olive tree. And the Gentiles who believed in Jesus were grafted in to the same olive tree. And it says, among them and with them. So Paul is saying here, in essence, whoever you are, Jew or Gentile believer, you are now among the other believers. We are all made into one body. And so he says, each one of you, each one among you, each one among you, this is the charge. Do not think highly of yourself. Don't be lofty. Don't be haughty. Now, the flip side of that is true too. He's not saying Don't degrade yourself and think that you're nothing. But what he's warning here is that we begin to be haughty. He gave us similar warnings in chapter 11 when he talked about the the original Jews, the, the Jews that were the remnant, the holy seed in the stump that believed in Jesus and stayed the course versus the branches that were broken off because they didn't believe in Jesus and the Gentiles who were grafted in because they believed in Jesus. And he talked to us in that chapter as well about no competition, no haughtiness one toward another. And so he's picking up a little bit on that here, and he's reiterating that again. We are not to think too highly of ourselves. And so here he's contrasting that, in a sense, with humility. Now, I want to read a few verses here as we look at some of these topics in today's message. And the first place I want to look at is in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for... Or in other words, the reason being, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now that's a quote that Peter quotes from Solomon. And I also want to read in James chapter 4, and I want to read verses 6 through 10 of James chapter 4. Verses 6 through 10 of James chapter 4 says this, But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So here again, this is quoted from the Old Testament. Continuing on, verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So he's just talking here about being serious, being serious about your own life, examining yourself, cleansing anything out of your life that needs to be cleansed, and being submitted, being clothed with humility, humbling ourselves so that God then can commend us And God can raise us up because we have not been proud, because God resists the proud. The Lord taught me that several years ago with a situation that I had to endure in that time period. And I remember the Lord telling me, he said, Kay, you must be humble because I give grace to the humble. In order to be a recipient of my grace, you must be humble. I've never forgotten that. We must humble ourselves to be able to receive the grace that God will give us, that enabling power from the Lord, whether it's wisdom through that grace that will teach us what to do or what not to do, what to say, what not to say, whether it's the way of escape he'll make for us, or whether it might be the grace to endure that situation and do it as unto the Lord in a manner that pleases him, and he will bring us out in his time. So we must be clothed with humility. These quotes are from Solomon's writings. He's quoting Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 in those verses, where God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility is a keen awareness of one's own littleness or one's own smallness. It's not that you're groveling in the dirt and not thinking of yourself in any good. God gives us his word that teaches us proper self-worth. He's the one that put the value on us. He's the one that has given us value. And the proof of that is that he sent his own son to die on our behalf and to die in our stead. He gave us that value. But it does mean, humility does mean, that we don't think of ourselves higher than we should. We don't think of ourselves as some big shot or some great person because of looks or because of education or because of social status or because of economic status or because of self-righteousness, or anything else. That's what he's saying. We should not be haughty. We should not be thinking of ourselves more highly than we should. I want to go back to another place where Solomon wrote about this, and it's in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, one of Solomon's writings, in chapter 5, I want to read the first two verses. In chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, it says, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they are due evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few Solomon here is discussing and is looking at this and teaching us a little bit about the recognition of our own smallness or humility because he says that we need to recognize that God is in heaven he is far above he's far above us he's far above this world he's far above the universe he is in control He is able, he is the great God, he is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, he is our God, and he's magnificent, and he is Lord of heaven and earth, but we are on earth. Now, I've taught in my Names of God series, which is called Run, Kitty, Run, and you can look that up if you like in the archives, and in the very first lesson I explained why I gave it that title. But it's called Run Kitty Run. And in one of those episodes, I talk about the great God or El Gadal. And I talk about how, you know, I use some balls. Um, whenever I talked about this, I use some varying sizes of just children's balls that they play with. And I was teaching about, you know, God being the creator of all of this. And when you get down, you, you know, you look at the whole of the universe, it's so vast. I mean NASA hasn't even seen the half of it yet. They they can't they can't build a telescope that's big enough to to really see all of what God has done. It's a very vast universe that God has made. And so you have this huge universe. And inside that huge universe you've got this small ball maybe maybe we might consider it the the size of maybe a soccer ball or so, that might be the Milky Way galaxy where we are located. And in there, there might be a smaller ball, maybe like a softball, that would be our particular solar system, our particular sun and, and planets within that Milky Way galaxy. And you come on down, and by the time you get to Earth, it's like the size of a little pea or the size of a little BB, if you you know had a BB gun or something like that. It's very, very tiny. And yet God sits way above all of this vast universe. And yet he cares about you and me on a tiny little pea-sized planet, like a sweet pea or a BB. He sees us. He hears us. He cares about us. And we need to recognize He's the great God and we are on this teeny tiny little pea-sized planet in the midst of this huge universe. So that's kind of the idea that Solomon is getting to us here, is we need to be aware of our own littleness. We need to be aware that God is the great God and we are just on this tiny little planet and therefore we need to recognize the right attitude toward God. We need to see ourselves humbly before the Lord. And then Paul goes on in Romans chapter 12, and he tells us the basis for this, that God is in control. We're to not think of ourselves more highly than we should. We are to think soberly. And the basis is because God is in control. He's the one that has made you and I. He made us all individually. But Paul's point here in this section is pointing out that we are all part of one body. And all of us are made individually, God being the one in control, God being the one that has called us, God being the one that has gifted us. He says, because God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So here we learn each one, each person, each member of this body of Jesus Christ. Each member, Jew or Gentile, is valuable. Each one is important. Each one is called. Each one is gifted. Each one matters. And each one has a purpose, has a service to do. Each of us have received the same grace. And each of us have been given a measure of of faith. None are better than the others. No one is better than the others. No one. We are all the same, although we have our individual differences. Sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. The point here Paul is really stressing is love and acceptance and servanthood. We can remember Jesus' examples of that servanthood at the Last Supper. The account is found in John chapter 13, verses 2 through 17. And for the sake of time, I won't read that to you this time. But that's when Jesus is having his last Passover Seder with his disciples. And he lays aside his garment, and he takes up the towel and the basin, and he goes around and he washes all of their feet and he says this. I am going to read this small portion of it. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 12, it says this. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet So Jesus has already taught us about humility through his own servant, servanthood, through his own servanthood, through his own willingness to humble himself and be obedient and be a servant. I want to read you next in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. And this probably sums up a lot of what Paul is saying here. Very, very well, because we look at Jesus' own example here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here the greatest example of humility in the Bible of someone who thought humbly and humbled himself is Jesus. You see, he is the highest authority. He is God's own son. And yet he humbled himself. And we are to have that same mindset that we would humble ourselves beneath God's hand. And he then will commend us. He then will raise us up in his timing. But we are to be humbled and we are to have that humility in our interpersonal relationships, one with another. This humility is a necessary component and attitude for a healthy body and interaction within the church. He tells us here in Romans that we are all individuals and that every one of us has a part and everyone is important, but he also makes it clear that God allots to each one, the measure, the specific portion needed for their ministry, the required amount, the very special and even limited quantity. God equips each person and no one is better than the other and no one is more special this is what Paul is trying to help us understand. He's dealing with interpersonal relationships within the church, within the body. And every single person is important. Every single person is special. Every single person is loved. Every single person is welcomed and accepted. And each one has received from God their specific portion of, their allotment of faith for their job, for whatever God has called them to do. And he's setting up the backdrop here and the foundation for the next topic that we will cover in Romans chapter 12. In the next episode, we'll get into that. But notice here also, it is God who assigns and divvies out to each one this measure of faith, this measure of exactly what they need to move forward in their ministry and fulfill their calling. And so he tells us here in verses four and five, that we being many, many different individuals, yet we are made into one body in Christ. Remember we saw how in chapter 11, it's one olive tree. And we are grafted in, the Gentiles are grafted in to that same olive tree with the believing Jews. It's one olive tree. It's one body, Paul says here. We're made into one body. And he tells us here very clearly, he's he's using the illustration of the human body right here. He talks about the human body having many parts, each having its own function, but all connected to one head with one brain controlling it all. Now, when each part of the body functions properly, the body as a whole is healthy. So he's telling us here the applications we can draw similarly to the human body and how it functions even though it's comprised of many different parts, all with each their own function. So there's no competition, for instance. Inside the body, there should be no competition. Now imagine if, and this is ridiculous, but I'm just throwing it out for us to understand and see the ridiculousness of it. Imagine if the heart uh, inside your body became unhappy and discontent with its function and said, you know what, I'm tired of being inside the body, hidden. I can't see anything in the world out there. I want to be the eye. I want to be able to see. I mean, we we say that, and it's just total facetiousness, is total foolery. There is not, nothing like that. It's ridiculous. And so the point is, we don't need to be that way either. Each person, there are some that are made to be maybe like that heart. There are some to be maybe like the eye in the body. There are some to be like the ears. There are some to be like the the legs or the feet. We all have a different function and there should be no competition. And also, If we all are functioning in our place properly and we love Jesus and we are listening to him and taking his orders, his desire for us and bringing that into fruition, we are listening to him and obeying him, then we will not have malfunctions either. Because when a portion of the body is malfunctioning then it can affect and make the entire body unhealthy. So to maintain health in the body, each needs to do its assigned task and to do it well and to function properly. And also, lastly, I want to point out this, that each part of the body is fully equipped to do exactly what its function is. God has built the heart within us in those four chambers of the heart to do exactly what it's supposed to do to pump the blood through the body. God has fashioned and fully equipped our eyes to do exactly what they're supposed to do and give sight to the body. The ears are fully equipped to bring in the sound waves and to hear and determine what is being heard. Every part of our body, God has fully equipped it for its function. It's the same in the body of Christ. Every single individual person is fully equipped by God for their particular function and those functions for each and every one of us as an individual, that operation or the practice, the business we're supposed to be doing, the deeds, the good works that we're supposed to be doing. We are fully equipped by God to do those. I want to close by reading just a couple of quick passages to you as we draw to a close here for today. In Psalm chapter 139, Verse 16, it says this, your eyes, talking about God, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. God mapped out before you were even born. He wrote a book on your destiny on the things that you would be doing, the good works that he ordained for you to do once you believed in Jesus Christ. And I want to close with this final scripture that concurs with that and gives us some insight as well. In Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse eight, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is the one who's distributed. God is the one who's called each and every one of us and equipped us perfectly for whatever our function is in the body. God prepared these works beforehand for us to walk in them. We've each been crafted to do what God has called us to do and to perform our function within the body. And so I believe here Paul is helping us to understand that we need to love and appreciate each other. We need to not think of ourselves more highly than another, more highly than we should, but we need to be humble one with another, recognizing our own littleness and in appreciation of our great Savior, and that we should accept and each have the freedom, the acceptance, and the function, the ability to fulfill our function in the body because God is the one that has gifted us and called us so that we can serve together in one body, though we are many different members. And all of this necessitates humility, having that keen awareness of our own littleness, recognizing that God is in heaven and we are on earth. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits as we continue going through God's precious word. May the Lord bless you today in Jesus name. Amen.